Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of finding out what color is your rainbow. Mm-hmm. Persimmon. <laughs> Thank, what was that? Thanks for the sour persimmons, cousin. What? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. We are talking this week again about the new magic system, and we're getting close to the end. Hopefully. Uh, which, of course, I hope your listeners are, are enjoying this. But um, now we're actually going to talk about what is the what is the magic? Um, what does it look like? What is how is it perceived by the caster and by those around them? Uh, so the first thing we wanted to talk about is is magic actually visible to the caster? Not just the effects of magic, but the magic itself. Is everybody surrounded with a nimbus of, of, of all kinds of colors, you know, uh, if they have magical effects on them? Or, you know, is in fact, you know, magic doesn't show up at all unless they has some effect like electrical or fire or something like that? I got a good example, and it has to do with the new campaign that I'm running with Josie. The And yeah... Fine. Mashups have to have a logical link up for me to like them. Perky Goth created a Doctor Who World of Darkness mashup. Now, any of you out there who play World of Darkness and the mages, like the Sodality of the Tor and the Psychonauts, they have several different types of ways that magic is perceived in the world around them. Like... The Psychonauts, which are like the dark, uh, what is that term? Carcists, as we say in Bureau 13. You might take on a demonic-looking form, like you might grow horns as the spell's being cast. Or if you're a member of the Sodality of the Tor, which uh, models after British-type witchcraft, you might have white light coming from you. Another example that comes to mind, and I don't know if Bruce and John ever heard of this comic series from Comico, Mage the Hero Discovered by Kevin Wagner. Of course. You've talked about this before. Okay, how Mirth was using Earth magic, and it was like Bioforce and whatnot. So all of his uh, magical effects were green. So So what do you think, Trav? Do you think it's a good idea for the effects of magic to be visible? Yeah, but I would think that it, you know, the rats smell their own. Mages would be able to see it. It would depend on the setting if you'd want, you know, mundanes 
to see these effects too. It could definitely cause it. It could definitely cause more problems than it's worth. Yeah, because I'm thinking of of a certain movie that was on that, that from Marvel that was on not too long ago, Doctor Strange, and there, magic was definitely visible. Oh Ooh, yeah, definitely the the, the orange. Yeah the. Yeah, the little was very, very specific reason. Yeah. Well, imagine in a game like Bureau 13, okay, you walk into a room and all of a sudden, oh, these three things are glowing. Why didn't anybody notice that before? Mm. You know, it, it kind of gives away the, the supernatural aspect if everybody can just see it, right? Okay. Well, okay, there is a, that brings the point up of active magic versus passive magic. If something is just enchanted, I imagine unless the enchantment includes glow in the dark, it you know only a mage would actually know that it's it might be magic, you know. But if it's an active magical item, it might actually have some sort of visible effect that tells you it's on and doing something. Well, wait a second, John, because that's a very misleading statement. Okay, so let's let's talk about some magical effects here. Okay, is uh, magical hardness is. Is that, a, is that something that they would automatically see? Again, it depends on the genre. I mean, in some genre... Well, okay, I'm, I'm just asking you what you want to see when you're playing a game. See, because, you know, if you have something that's been hardened or bol uh, bolstered by magic, okay, then, you know, you could say, oh, well, it's now sparkling because it is. But if you want it to be something that people would just find, you know, this is a, a legendary sword or a legendary mace uh, or even a bow stick or something like that that was you know, found in in, um, in the bottom of some crypt that uh, belonged to uh, an old uh, monk or something. And, you know, it's it's magical, okay? It has great power in it, especially being wielded by someone who knows what they're doing. All right, do we want that to be apparent? You know, I think it'd be a lot easier if Indiana Jones had gone into uh, the... Uh, you know, uh, in the Last Crusade, said, "Yep, that's the one that's magical." Actually, actually, they were all magical, but some of them were cursed. But so, but I'm just saying, is that you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, a lot easier, but a lot more boring. Yeah. Well, it, it well, it also could be that you know, say it has special magical hardness. Uh, I was, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you also could. Come up and say that okay, yes, a plus one suit of mail ain't gonna sparkle, ain't gonna, it may just look better, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, usually with magic items, and I do this with my campaigns with Josie, magic items rarely de you're not gonna find a rusty suit of magical chain mail, it's mm -hmm. always gonna look as if it came right off, you know, right off the, the presses, so to speak. Yeah, and like a magical sword, it, because magical swords are often uh, their hardness is awful. Uh, bleh. the mouth works. Let's try this. <laughs> sword, it, it. I don't know what it is. I'm tripping on my own tongue tonight. Magical swords, they still look pristine. They, you know, because I believe in the OGL rules, magic items have double their normal hardness or something like that. So mm -hmm. they would look sturdier, hardier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. more resistant to damage because the magic reinforces the material that it's made with. Yeah, unless, of course, it's been enchanted to look otherwise. I can, I, can, I can think of at least one sword that looked like it was about to fall apart because it was still covered in rust, 
would cut through steel like it was like it was made of paper. Yes, but John, in every module in first edition AD&D, there was a shield or a suit of armor or there was a sword that basically looked like it was, you know, rusted out something. And in the script, it says if this if this item is shown care and you know and and oiled or or buffed or mended or whatever like that, it will then gain a plus one, you know, uh, enchantment. But also, if you read the enchantment rules in the D and D book, you have to encrust the dang thing in jewels and emeralds and whatever. Again, you're talking about second and, and like third edition. The first edition, no, they were just you know whatever they were. Oh yeah, and that, that's because of the, the the genre at the time, the Vancian genre. Yeah, you would go in there and you would find the ancient, you know, you find the old, the old warrior and his, you know, skeletal warrior and in, in, in his throne and in his lap is his is his magic sword and well, it's his sword, but it looks like it, you know, it's seen better days. And yeah, if you take it and you you hone it and you polish it and do all your things, it will it it became it became much more potent and powerful. It basically now it has a new owner. Okay, Josie. What Josie? What did you want to say? Uh, that particular thing has shown up in several games I've played, um, particularly the um, the Mana series. Okay. There's the the legendary sword of Mana. When it's just sitting there, it looks like, well, yeah. <laughs> you can say crap. We we can get we can okay. let that. One. It looks like a piece of crap. Yeah, but as soon as the character grabs it, it all of a sudden glows or whatever. Uh, it depends on the. It, that depends on the actual game of the series. It's been, okay. It's done that at different points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and I've seen other cases where. Yeah, the suit of armor is plus one, but it also has a command enchantment. And if you activate the command enchantment, that is visible. I mean, you know, all of a sudden you go, okay, this is plus one. But if I hit the command enchantment for the next 10 minutes, I'm plus three. And you, everyone knows you're plus three because your suit's now glowing. Or all the, all the, if it's plate mail, all the plates are glowing with maybe some sort of geometrical patterns on them or something like that. They know you now are wearing, full, you know, fully, you know, fully operational enchanted armor. At that yeah, point. I, they know it's doing something. Yeah, I I see also in the artificing rules. Um, there is a chance when you enchant a sword or whatever. I think there's like a thirty percent chance that it'll end up glowing with magical mm-hmm. energy. It's just you know you yeah. roll the percentile when you artifice. I mean, I don't put that in mind. I don't think I've ever when Josie's had an artificer character. Yeah, roll that percentile to see if you end up with that ring glowing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people want that. Okay. If if your game is uh, has you going around in a lot of dungeons, having an item that can at least produce a light in a five foot radius, which is the normal attack range for most uh, characters in these kinds of games. If you're a fighter, that's excellent. Because now you don't have to worry about, you know, putting the uh, glowing stone on the top of your helm anymore. Is every time you pull your weapon out, which is most of the time, you're going to have this light shining out, and you and uh, you probably can see further than five feet. But five feet's the effective attack range 
you know, uh, targeting kind of thing going on. So that's going to be a really good thing. You end up having the circumstantial light, such as staying in the Hobbit series, where if an orc is within certain range, that sword starts glowing blue and you know, time to start swinging it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It might also start doing the sheen, you know, know, sheen, what's that? Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's something around, you know, it makes the sheen sound. Oh, gee, that that annoying whiny sound? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'll bring a teenager if I want that. But other other systems like (laughs) Sarah's Rolls. I I can see your point with the whole whiny. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with Savage Worlds, you have trappings on your spe- on your powers, and the trappings can be something you know. And they're you know the the four elements: air, earth, fire, and water, and, and a few others, electrical, and so forth. So in those cases, if you take a trapping, it gives extra bonuses to your spell, but also makes it visible. So if okay. I cast cast a fireball, it's very obvious my hands start catching fire, and I make a fireball and I throw it. You know, so yeah, at that point it becomes obvious I'm casting a spell because I have a trapping that gives me benefits. Like with fire, you actually can set people on fire with oh, it. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 continue with that line, which is that when you, if you are a mage, okay, want to, uh, leaving uh, uh, enchanted items aside for a second, if you're a mage and you start casting a spell. Other than if someone is not familiar with magic per se, is there always going to be a kind of a glowy thingy going on? There, one says that guy over there is casting a spell. Hmm. Again, I think that's setting dependent. If you want magic to be that visible, or mm-hmm. if you want it to be surreptitious, like I said in World of Darkness, how the magic is manifested is it depends on the magic. As I said, the darker magics. I mean, there's even like, I mean, as I said, I'm since I'm having to research this setting, um, for the Carsis, like the Psychonauts, there's even like where if you're near a mage casting a spell, you might feel aroused. Like those type of feelings start mm-hmm. coming up in you because that's mm-hmm. just how the magic, his particular school of magic, interferes yeah. with the world around him. Yeah. And that's and all I'm, part of the whole paradox thing. I'm also thinking of Full Metal Alchemists. Whenever the the, the the alchemists start casting, they start producing these um, um, uh, magic, ma- you know, magical magic circles <laughs> yeah. around them. The, yeah. the circles and, and the symbols. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's pretty obvious, right? And that kind of makes them a target sometimes. You didn't answer my question, which is: Is it? Do you want that? You keep say, you keep using this dodge, saying, "Well, it's setting dependent." Well, we're talking about a new magic system, guys. I don't want you weaseling out on this. If you like it, say you like it. If you don't like it, if you're the kind of person who prefers to play games where you're never letting anybody know what you're doing until the last moment, then say that. Um, how about dependent? As in, if you're a mage. It'll pop up. If you're a mundane, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. That's how I'd prefer it. I, if you I, are I, someone who is a practitioner of the art, rats smell their own. If you're yeah. one of the other, you know, of the, the 7 billion garden variety humanoids, they are clueless. So you're saying that only people who can cast magic can see magic. Yeah, I think that would be 
a decent amount. I think that makes sense to me. Mm. Because you really wouldn't know what to look for. Even if you were well-educated in it? You mean like an occultist? Oh, that cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean somebody who, who studied magical stuff. And yeah, like, or... If, I suppose or, that makes sense as well. Yeah, I mean, or a bureau agent with, with a high sense rating. <laughs> well, yeah, because we have, um, in Bureau 13, you have people who have the um, supernatural sensitivity. It's not like sight, but it's that crawly feeling, you know, the, that something is going on that, is, that needs attention. You know, that kind of prickling, as I, as I put it in the thing, like maybe a prickling of my thumb, you know, is there, uh, you know, is, 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 do, you, do you feel like a stiffness in your bones? You know, is, is it just a sense of outrayness of, of, of the situation that suddenly something's going on that wasn't going on before? Um, or maybe you just weren't aware of it till now. Yeah, and and, and I and I and as I say, I, I'll fall into the class of yes, but you get to choose what kind of effect you have. So it's not just, it's, it's so you know, Earth mages, it's dirt. I mean, the ground starts moving up, moving around you, and you get dust swirling around you as you start casting your Earth magic. Air mages, I would say, moisture starts condensing out of the air, and you're kind of surrounded by clouds. And water mages, of course, water. Yeah, so so John likes there being a lot of visible signs that magic is going on. And of course, there is the one class, the one class yeah, I would say take as a special, the invisible magic. But I would say that would be something that would be difficult to take and difficult to learn. So it would be an option that you could learn to hide all those things. But that is, of course, an, a special skill or feat, fate, whatever, uh, fate, yeah, feat or edge you can take to hide your effects. If you if you want to, maybe you have to make well, a concentration roll to do that. Yeah, well, in D twenty, you have all the um, like silent spell, still spell issue mm-hmm. materials. Uh, as far as the Bansy and magic goes, you know your spell slots. Yeah, you can take silent spell, and you could when you study your spells in the morning. Yeah, I want to do a silent magic missile. Well, it's equivalent now to it'll take one of your second level spell slots. Or, as I've started doing now, because the Vancean magic really has gotten on my nerves, I use spell points now. Yeah. You pay for a higher level spell to cast that silent magic missile. We, we've already talked about, in, in previous podcasts, about the idea of, like, you know, how, what does it take to cast a spell, and can we cast it without some of those things? So we don't want, we don't want to cover that same territory. Yeah, I'm trying to get to, to John's point where you do, I do agree with that. Yeah, if you want to hide the visible effects of magic, it's either going to be harder to make the casting roll or it's going to cost you more points to hide the visible effects. There should, not a penalty, but, well, yeah, penalty, not so much a consequence, but a penalty or, there's a word I'm looking for, I guess penalty would be the best one to not make it where the magic is so overt. Okay. Well, I certainly see this as something that you would do if you were enchanting items because uh, for, for a couple of reasons. I mean, uh, especially if you didn't want everybody in the neighborhood knowing that you had a magic item. 
Yeah, I think that Pete would pay extra to mages as saying, hey, can you make this so it looks nice, but it doesn't like glow and scream, I'm a magic sword, please kill the person wielding this so you can own it for yourself? It costs extra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I would think that that would be a very common thing to do as far as, as, as enchanting an item would be to make it look, you know, mundane but classy. You know, so you'd have uh, a, a, a service, you know, of, um, of plates and stuff. And maybe the plates uh, always, uh, maybe the, the glasses always keep the wine cold and the plates always keep the food hot. But you don't want to sit down and it'd be like being inside of a, you know, a, a Century 2001 dance club where the plates are glowing and the, and the mugs are glowing. And you're like, this is a, says, we're saving a lot of money on candles because we never seem to need any. Any additional illumination with all these items that you purchased for our dining table, honey? Or Dexter's ever full mug. <laughs> oh, like at the end of Doctor Strange, yeah, where Thor's drinking the beer and it just refills on its own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that, that there, there's plenty of items like that. That's a magic item in and of itself, but yeah. Mug changed from tea to not tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I agree with John. I think that I would definitely want um, in, in Magic some, uh, I don't know if it's a school or whether it's just an option that you can, I, I actually think that it would be an, um, uh, an illusion, you know, something that you could apply on top of any spell or whatever saying, hey, you know, this is this is something else. Um, you know, it isn't what you think it is. Uh, and j- just for that purpose, um, I think that would be a, something that everybody would want in a real campaign and you know in a real world where there was lots of magic around i i don't think they would want everything glowing or everything announcing itself as being magic you know and maybe in some things if they have a lot of magic in them but you know they, but you don't want them to like say scream to the neighborhood you know let's say uh, you have a magical uh, generator so it's producing, you know, 100 you know, megawatts of energy for the neighborhood. You don't want it sitting over there glowing like a bonfire all the time. No, yeah. it's not a Tesla device, you know. <laughs> yeah, so you want, so you, you use some kind of a magic to make it look like, you know, to hide, hide that aspect of it. And, and that would make sense. You know, you, nice, your nice, quiet, friendly neighborhood, you know, uh, uh, magical uh, electrical generator. Yeah, and I and I like the idea of having and like if you, depending on what you're working on, if you're in OGL, you could actually have a feat you could take that allows you to pick one spell, you know, per level, and you can just make it invisible, more or less. You know, okay, I I, I gain the level. It means I get to pick a spell again and go, you're invisible, but it counts as a feat slot. Oh no, I'm sure that there's probably <laughs> a feat that'll allow you to hide any mm-hmm. visible effects. Yeah. I'm sure if Josie and I were to look on the Pathfinder SRD, we would find some feet, even if it's a third party one, saying, no, there is no visible shining or choral singing when you cast this spell. It is totally unnoticed. Yeah, Nistel's magic R is, that's its point. That's what it's for. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so when you're yeah, so yes, I I I like the idea of there being you know you can you choose what kind of trapping you have on your on your magic you know, but you also have the ability to at at some point, 
either through concentration or, as Trav said, taking a special spell that allows you to hide thing, hide, hide, you know, silently cast a spell that you, allows you gives you the option of well being sneaky, which means, that, of course, you would have the ninja school magic. That's all they do is learn how the, they learn maybe half the spells, but all their spells, no one knows they're casting. <laughs> right now. Uh, going the opposite direction, John, where magic is visible, um, uh, many, many years ago at Gen Con, um, uh, the, um, uh, the dual, uh, the half of the dual pair that did the Dragonlance uh, series was up there talking about his idea of the uh, the of, of a whole magic system and world. And what he said was is that surrounding the world is this great curtain, almost uh, um, an, an aura, an ionosphere of magic, and that's where all the magic came from. And as you use magic, basically magic would be pulled down from that and attached to the item or to you if you were casting a spell and uh to you know and and that and someone who had the ability to perceive magic would be just by looking around would be able to see these lines coming down and if you were traveling a distance and there was like a mage's tower then over in the distance you'd see all these magical lines coming down from the sky and say oh it's got to be over there because nothing else is using magic like that is and that would lead you around, you know, to whatever you wanted. Um, and it's and of course, if you used a lot of magic, then there would be, um, you know, a big bowing of the distortion of the magic sphere, you know, to uh, because you were pulling down a lot of magic, you know, and and if you looked at somebody, you know, you could you could see how much magic they had on them. So you know that in a high fantasy type game where everybody's using magic then this might actually be a good thing uh and 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 i like the idea because it really did say hey you know i can look around and i can see who the tough guys are i can see you know where all the magical protections are you know like the the, the sparkling a shield around harry potter's um uh, hogwarts um, and all those things like that. I mean, it wasn't just an invisible thing until somebody smacked it. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of how Eric the Neighbor used to say when we'd be all decked out in magic items and you would cast Detect Magic, and the first thing would sing is, Oh, little town of Bethlehem. <laughs> like a star. Uh, uh. Yeah, we, we, yeah, what we used to do is that... Um, um, uh, well, we had people in Bureau 13 that had the Corellian detectors, okay? And they would walk, and, and because I, as I told people, is that it's not a, um, uh, it's not like a, a, a camera, it's like a thermometer. So they'd be walking around, walking around, and then they'd walk over here, and bam, the thing would blow up in their hands. <laughs> they'd be like, okay, over, and that was too fast for the overload switch. Uh, there's something serious over here, guys. No, I just had the thing go black. Uh, in my case, the the Corellian device had to be set on a tripod, aimed at the thing you want to scan, you want to scan, and then would develop over a period of time the image, which is what Corellian detectors did. Yeah. In 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 the real world, I have to put quotation marks around that, don't I? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, Corellian detectors take time to act. You know, the Corellian photographs that people have done take about five ten minutes to get. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, or yeah, but I'm also thinking, you know, because we're talking magic. Okay, okay, when you say magic, do you also include mana? 
do we see the ley line? Do, do do mages see the ley lines, or do they have to use a special scrying device to see the ley lines? You know, we were talking. What I was just saying, yeah. If you can see the lines coming down from here, or if you're sucking power off of that, you know, uh, lodestone uh, cr- set of crystals over there, then yeah, that that's all being uh, available and all all being very visible. Uh, you know, maybe not to the normal eye, but to the mages who have this ability, they would see all that. Yeah, that was the idea. But um, but if you don't want that, if you don't want these things to be visible, then you know, it creates a different situation. Then you have to uh, deduce that it's going on either through people making gestures or the, you know, effects coming into play um, and perhaps some secondary type things happening like, oh, I don't know, shadows changing on the walls, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, think of all the horror films where all of a sudden, you know, the walls start getting you know, nasty and, you know, and, and, and the light starts to dim in the area and, and there's a smell of brimstone and, you know, but you don't actually see the magic happening. Yeah. What was that Josie? Nope. <laughs> no. Actually, I'm well, thinking. No, Josie, you know what happens when you see the light start flickering? Get the salt. Run the salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, of the uh, Legend of Hell House. They had some really great scenes like that, where you know things were happening, but not not where you could see them. You know, and yeah, that was interesting. And uh, that sort of uh, what was I thinking? What was I? I had a train of thought. Oh, oh, yeah, detect magic because that's because that's you know in, in the older school D and D, you had to, you know what's the one spell you made sure you got in your spellbook? Detect magic because otherwise. How are you going to find all the what, what, what items you got on that treasure chest are magical or not? Well, yeah, and and how are you going to find that invisible guy who keeps trying to kill you? Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a good question. Is detect magic more of a hot potato, or is it more like you know you hit detect magic and then you get to see everything that's magical around well, you? Well, the, the way I usually do detect magic, not only in OGL but I also do it when I my mm-hmm. one Palladium game that I run on every other Saturday. It's auras. And this will go right into the next question um, or the next bullet point here. Does magic have color? Now, there is a PDF by Chris A. Field called Ley Lines. And the way that they do the Ley Lines, it's multicolored. And I have the list here. Um, And I'm going to go by the the different schools that are in Pathfinder, like... um, Abjuration's blue, conjuration, aquamarine, pale pink for divination, yellow for enchantment, reddish orange for evocation, gold for illusion, mm-hmm. purple for necromancy, green for transmutation, silver for positive energy, black for negative energy. And mm-hmm. that kind of works for me as far as color coding different types of magic because magic does seem to fall into certain schools like you know, illusion magic is different than the ability to create energy from magic, fire, cold, force, lightning, sound, whatever. Mm. Um, that actually is a good point. Illusion magic, it is its own special effect. So it, it's, it is visible, but it's the illusions that's visible. You don't well, see anything yeah. special about it other than maybe trying to touch it. And, that, and if you're a good illusionist, you can touch it. <laughs> well, it's like abjuration. Yeah. Now, abjuration, from what I understand, now, okay, like evocation, you are using magic to create some form of electromagnetic energy, as I said, fire, electricity, force, whatever. 
abjuration pretty much is, and again, the Pathfinder OGL definition, pure magic. You are using magical force itself to create an effect. I think abjuration is what dispel magic is. You are literally using magic to cancel other magic. So yeah, all the schools are different for a reason because you all have different purposes with the magic. So I would think color coding them or giving them each some type of identifying factor is good to at least let those who are sensitive to magic, mm-hmm. again, if we say that only spellcasters can pick up on magic, they'll know when they start seeing, you know, the gold going, they know that an illusion spell of some type, some type of glamour is going to kick in. Or if they see that um, mm-hmm. green kick in, transmutation he's probably going to buff himself and make himself stronger or faster you know yeah. you know yeah. uh, bull strength or whatever you know yeah well trav you know every all, uh, everyone knows magic is is the color of octarine yeah you had mentioned that in the <laughs> chat the <laughs> final this, color this of the rainbow from, you know, like one, i said discworld from terry pratchett yeah. Oh, discworld i thought we were talking about it's uh, sort of a, it's sort of a washed out purple what was that, Josie? Like I said before, though, that for some reason, the word octarine in that context sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. It, it's uh, Terry. If you read any of Terry Pratchett's uh, novels involved the mages, the octarine will get mentioned at least once okay, in those yeah. books. Yeah. So. So if you ever read anything about with Stephen King, you know that it's, it's all some form of glowing green. Yeah. <laughs> Sickly green. <laughs> yeah, sickly green. Yes, it's never a good green. Terry Pratchett sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, may the Discworld have... series, yeah. Yeah, and then I there... Is... A, a, I may have picked up one of his... Oh, you may have picked up one of the witch's books. Or a hat full of... Or hat... I may have seen one of the videos. <laughs> That's true. Because I know, I know darn well, Josie. Your mom has probably read a lot of the Discworld books, and she probably has one. So you probably picked yeah. it up then. Yeah, yeah. But any, but yeah. And then of course in Lovecraft, there's the color all our space, which is some uh, is some color that the human mind can't accept. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's that yeah. non-Euclidean. Well, it's that non-Euclidean <laughs> geometry, and of course, it just doesn't register to human senses. So yeah, yeah. You can see it. Well, everything about the, the Cthulhu <laughs> thing is is basically uh, anathema to humans. Oh, you know yeah. what non Euclidean means? Curved. Yeah, <laughs> I would say it that sounds, it sounds definitely. weirder when you see it. Non Euclidean architecture. Oh, so it's all curved. And now I'm reminded <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop too. This house is wrong. He didn't want any corners on it whatsoever. He basically wanted a donut. Hey, this is what the guy paid for. Go home and we'll rework it. Yeah. <laughs> Give the man his donut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, well, my I personally um, don't want magic to be visible unless, uh, unless an effect's going on. And I also don't like people to be able to detect magic unless they have um, invested in in the ability to create that site, like a, as in a spell, like a divination spell or a read aura spell. 
Um, I don't like those things. Um, I think they basically take away all the mystery um, uh, from the game. And of course, I think they just announce, you know, that you've got stuff everywhere you go. And I think it's more interesting to run up to the to the uh, the little old man next to the road and uh, who's begging for alms. And when you don't give him alms, then he basically goes over and rips the the wheel off your car. <laughs> You know, I, I like that to be a surprise. You know, though most people's like, I I knew that was coming, Bruce. You're you're a GM. You had to do that, didn't you? <laughs> and the fact that the little man has a, a pair of parakeets with him too doesn't say anything at all. Or no, canary, pair of canaries. Sorry, yellow canaries. Oh, um, I forgot. There was one of the, one of the ancient dragons has, you know, one of the dragons can transmute into a human. He transmits to a, to a normal looking old man, but he has a pair of gold dragons as his as his like uh, his minions. They turn to they turn to canaries. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've seen it all in in my career in gaming. You know, the little the little waif girl that's like the most powerful mage on the planet. You know, the old man with the broom in the dojo. Don't mess with him. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the and the little old lady, you know, there's, there's always, you know, basically anybody who looks like who looks pathetic and uh, and, and like they just want to be left alone, leave them alone. Even even Rich put this in Bureau Thirteen Black Powder. If you remember the Carson City office where Horace Gordon was, Mister Lung, the guy who runs Lung's Clean Clothes, he's a ten thousand year old imperial dragon. But he's this little Chinese guy that does the laundry. Yeah. <laughs> you always respect him. You never consider yourself anything. On a, on a bad day, you're equals. On the good day, he is better than you. Yep. And this guy's singing to the flowers there in his windowsill and all that. And you think he's just this senile old man that runs the laundry. No, he's a 10,000-year-old imperial dragon, somebody you don't want to cross. Well, if I was 10,000 years old, I'd probably be singing to flowers, too. Well, yeah. Who's going to tell you not to? I just mean that, you know, what else what am I What am I else going to do with my time? I think I pretty much would have done it all in 10,000 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, the, uh, or the little old couple in the middle of the deep, dark, evil woods who are living in the deep, dark, evil woods. Just ask yourself the question, why, haven't their, why hasn't their little hovel been destroyed and why are they still alive? <laughs> Because those answers would pretty much say, we'll, we'll be nice, we'll break bread with you, we'll sleep in your barn, yes, thank you, and we'll make sure we, we'll do the dishes in the morning, because we don't want you to do whatever you do to whatever else is in this deep, dark, evil forest. Yeah. <clears throat> don't sleep with my daughter. <laughs> or my horse. What, whatever floats your boat, John. <laughs> All right, so, again, that's, that's how I feel about it. Um, and I, I kind of agree yeah, with, with magic. I, you know, if you have a magic ring, it, you, you know, unless you know the command word to make it work or how you make it work, it looks like a ring. You know, it may be a really fancy ring, but it doesn't shine. Yeah. And again, Sauron's ring looked like any other ring until you put fire on it. Then they had some glowing stuff on the inside. That's the most powerful magical artifact in all of Middle Earth. And it looked like nothing. It looked like somebody's wedding ring. Yeah, that's. I just like that better, you know. Um, now, now, of course, when you know, you get in the big mage battles, then yeah, you you're creating effects and stuff like that, and it's great to see all that stuff going back and forth. I I think that's the time that you really want to bring out all the special effects and things because it just looks cool. 
Well, yeah. like, like I said, with the World of Darkness uh, setting, which I'm starting to get familiar with, they have this thing called Paradox. Now, basically, reality is set by the 7 billion humans on the planet. And here comes this one guy. I want to cast a fireball. You have to work past the reality of 7 billion people going, there's no such thing as being able to cast a fireball. And you make your spell rolls or whatever. Excuse me. And if you manage to do it, you manage to cast fireball. If you fail, you get paradox, which means usually something interesting and something bad happens to you. Yeah. Or the spell just doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. So, so we, we were talking about, does magic have color? So that was the idea of saying that, you know, can it have more than one color or is it just, you know, does it have that? Or is there something else entirely? Because we've seen some movies, you know, fairly recently when people started casting spells, all of a sudden the magic script, the letters and the weird symbols, they started floating around. You didn't see color per se. I mean, there might have been in color. I just don't remember. But I'm saying what, what was but the way that magic was represented were in the symbols that made up the spell. So it's kind of like the, the, the writing on your spell book leaps out into the air and swirls around until you finish the spell and then it coalesces into the effect and does whatever you're trying to do. I'm also remembered of a Japanese anime, of an anime, I shouldn't say Japanese anime, it's anime, where they, you, they would write in calligraphy onto, onto paper and then that paper would then do things. It was like I won't call it card magic, but not. It was more like it was it was magic magic calligraphy, but you had to write it down on paper. We used this uh, a lot in uh, when we did uh, uh, Bureau Thirteen, where they went back in time to like the eighteen hundreds, and they ran into Chinese uh, 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 practitioners, and what they and they, there was a lot of demon summoning going on, you know, or, or and what they and and so the local. Um, you know, alchemist, who of course was a little more powerful than he should have been, uh, started handing out to the players, to, to the characters, what was referred to, had a name, but we just called them dismissal strips. And this was an item that if you could stick it onto, you know, the, you know, the head of, uh, uh, of the demon or on an arm or something like that, it would have a very powerful, uh, and they failed their magic resistance roll, of course, it would have a very powerful effect. Uh, it would either send them away or it would cause that part of their body to become disabled. And it was it gave the, the non-magic using characters something that they could easily use you know, in a combat situation and, and still, especially against critters that were pretty much immune to most of their normal weaponry. Yeah, I'm also reminded of Kubo of this of the uh, was it three strands. Uh, oh, I forgot. It was that wonderfully uh, stop motion animated movie which I absolutely love, and he was able to manipulate paper with his mute with his magic and his music, and he could make them form into things such as or basically he would do origami magic origami with paper and form things. He made a boat out of or out of paper. I mean, you know, and things like that. So. Yeah, that was another. That was I consider another form of of mag of uh, magic that has a special effect. Yeah, but of course, and it, it didn't matter how much paper he had; he always had enough. I mean, we're talking. We're not talking. Yeah, and we're talking a boat the size of a, of a small sloop. You know, you imagine how much paper that would take to take to build. <laughs> and he's working with little 
origami sized sheets of paper. Hmm. Oh yeah. And I'm and I'm and the, the anime I saw, I remember a couple of times where they needed to do defensive spells. It was just like reams of paper were flying out and going and hit and, and wrapping around the the foes and stuff like that. So it was like, oh wow, and you just did one little bit and boom, there's this humongous amount of paper coming out. Right. Well, in the cast a deadly spell, uh, the evil uh, uh, bad guy, he uh, uh, some, uh, he attacked this one guy and basically paper cut the guy to death. Just little little slices all over his body till he bled out. Have you, seen, have you seen the video of someone putting a sheet of paper into a into a table saw, cutting through wood? It can do it. <laughs> you mean instead of the blade on a table saw, you use a sheet of paper? Yep, and it cut th- cut. Th- well, I, it was a thin. Yeah, but it, it was a thin. It, it was thin wood, a thin sheet of wood, but still, it cut through wood. So yeah. But yeah, also it got smaller as it cut through it too. So you know, the, you know this and that. But yeah, anything moving fast enough will probably penetrate something else. You know, as long as. But yeah, I think I know your question. So does magic have color? I'd say I would say yes. And I'm a traditionalist. I, I like Terry Pratchett, so I would say it has a purplish color. Okay, so it has only <laughs> one color. Yes. Okay. How about how about you, Trav? What do you like? I would color code it. That, that seems to work for me because that will help you identify what school of magic would you're you're about to get thrown at you, and because that would also help in counterspelling. Josie, mm-hmm. does your magic have color? And if it does, what what color does it have? I like the color coding, the the school dependent color coding. Okay, all right. And I um, and I must agree that I do too, but that's only because I've been playing uh, Bureau Thirteen for so long. It just it's just nice to say, okay, black is evil, white is good, you know, <laughs> other other colors for things in the gray area, you know, div- divination, you know. But of course, there as John, we already talked, it's possible to cast an illusion magic that has no color and it is allowed to mask the color of other spells. So you could say, look at that person. They're casting an evil black spell. Meanwhile, you're like, you know, casting an illusion to make it look like their white spell is actually a black spell. And you go and kill the, the person that you come to save. So I think the next question is, does a caster or object have an aura that can be read? As her falls into color. I mean, um, yeah. Though I can see how that might you might get in there. I mean, what was it you said, Trav? You know, oh yeah, I got a little schmutz there, lad. You know, <laughs> let me wipe it off. Um, right, and I agree that you can, but I, as I said, I think that it requires more than just looking. You actually have to uh, read auras. Yeah, have the skill, or you have to learn the spell category and cast an actual spell to do it. Now, uh, we know in, in D and uh, supposedly dragons can smell, uh, magic. So there's, there are some ways of detecting magic other than sight. Yeah. Well, dragons are inherently magical creatures. There's no way in heck they can fly. 
So they, you know, so you know, the the only way is so they 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 use and breathe, live and breathe magic. So yeah, I would I would say yeah, dragons probably could smell magic. That's why they had so much around them. You find a good horde. Why do dragon hordes? I'm reminded of the Farscape clip toward the end of the series where they're John and Pilot are talking about how they discern wormholes. It's about the horizon wormholes, and Pilot's like, I can see it. Oh, really? You can't? Can't you? And John just sort of gives a sideway glance and goes. I sort of smell them. <laughs> but yeah, um, as far as objects, objects having an aura, if you have made a magic item or if you, you know, you cast detect magic on, you know, the pile of stuff that you've looted. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, there's six things that have an aura. Now, a caster having an aura, unless he is a being of pure magic, some race that like a dragon. They would have an aura because they are inherently magical creatures. But a human who has a human who just, yeah, I'm a wizard. The only time I would see him having an aura is as he's casting a spell or if he has a magical item on his body. Like, yeah, he's got an aura on him because he's got that ring on his right hand. Now, this is where I disagree with you, Trav. I would I actually would say that a, uh, a person who dabbles in magic is touched by the magic. So his aura is going to change. You know, he his he's going to have hints of that magic in his aura. It may not he may, you know, unlike an object which will shine with all the magic is in it. I he, get it. Yeah, he, he's got he's he's got the equivalent of the of the white bang on his forehead in terms of his aura. He's got this little you can tell and look and see little hints of magic in his aura. Oh, okay, and Josie, I think she can she can roll with me on this. How about this, Josie? Wizard versus sorcerer. Sorcerer is inborn. You might be able to pick up a magical aura on him. A wizard, because he had to do that there book learning. No, he wouldn't have that aura because it's not intrinsic to him. But I think John's also talking about where you know because you came into contact with magic, it has it leaves a mark on you. Okay, all right, Josie, you were going to say? I would agree with which one of those two is talking. I was just talking. Do you mean me? That's Bruce. I don't know which one was talking. John. John. I would agree with John in that going down that particular path, it does change them. It changes their aura slightly. But as you said with the wizard or sorcerer thing, it's definitely there would be a distinct aura around the sorcerer because it's a part of them. Well, yeah, the magic, the whole point of the sorcerer in the in the OGL version that we call a sorcerer, basically magic has tainted your genetics through mm-hmm. arcane energy or dragons or elementals they're, or whatever. They're basically part magical being themselves. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I always said sorcerers do, mages learn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Merlin. Well, Merlin and Merlin, depending on which which origin story you read, is either half fae or half demon or half something else. And but that something else is very, it's very magical. And therefore, he I would imagine Merlin. Merlin's a sorcerer. He's not a wizard, and he would definitely his aura would glow. I would imagine. Oh yeah. Oh, Merlin. Yes. But, but but in this case, because he's half human, half something else, it also would glow human. It says because he's half he's half fae. 
So, you know, and, and this, this, we're not talking elves, we're talking the other kind of fae, the kind that's, you know, that basically uh, doesn't like cold iron and it's in, in yeah. the, yeah, yeah. the woodland cre- uh, spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there, therefore he's, you know, so he's, you know, so he'll have the, the aura of a sorcerer, but he's also tinge, it'd be tinged with the fact that he's also a human. Because I imagine, because according to Arthurian legends, really, that's the only way you can get that kind of power. You have, you, you know, you have to be, you know, part part fey, as in a certain Morgan le fey. Yeah, <laughs> Your thirteen introduced this idea that everybody has a Corellian aura, and uh, is you know, for most people, it only extends out to up to eighteen inches away from your body, which is why you're able to have spell effects that that reach out and cover your equipment and such, because it basically follows the contours of your Corellian aura. And if you do create bigger magical effects, your Corellian aura expands, and therefore you have you know more area to be affected. But I also believe that your aura uh, should reflect your life experiences. So, for example, if you commit murder, you know, you, your aura is going to show that you did that. Okay, if you were uh, particularly, if you're a very innocent person, then your aura is going to be lacking certain elements that might be common to people with more experience. Yeah, one of my former gamers had. Take this with a grain of salt, folks. She could read auras, and every so, and it was it wasn't a a, a ability that she, it sort of just came to her, and she would pick up on my aura, and it would change as I got to know her, and I got you know calmed down more, you know matured more. She'd notice that my own aura had changed, that mm. darker colors were starting to disappear. So I get what Bruce is trying to get at, where everybody, due to their well, their past, and I would think also their current emotional state would have some type of color differentiation. Oh, uh, definitely the emotional, definitely the current emotional state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, and, and, I can personally agree with that one. Well, yeah. also, well, yeah, because <laughs> let's say if you've committed a murder. Oh, no, you've done the most heinous crime against life possible, which is taking the life of another. Oh, yeah, you would. Oh, no, your aura would be. What's that new version? Venta Black. That now, new- here's the question that. OK, depend. Is it because you feel guilty of it or is it because it's a, it's an evil thing? Because those are two different things. I wouldn't say so much. It's an evil thing. I would say more along the lines because these auras, a lot of times, I guess, would be tied into life force. It would be because you've stolen another person's life force. You've ended it. Yeah. Sorry. Someone just, someone just speaking of that, someone just tried hacking my Bluetooth. Oh. <laughs> so the, basically, yeah. you've gone against the natural order of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to be very generic about it, you could say that a murderer and a soldier both have the same effect. They have both ended a life. Yeah, yeah, and that could be misleading. Where yeah. yes, it could be, which is good. Yeah, because then you look, you don't look around and say that person's the murderer right there. Go get him. That's when you get to like the different shades and whatnot, and there's where the emotional state comes into play with. Okay, so then you would. Okay, so Josie, you would have the person who killed out of anger because it was a crime of passion, 
and you had the person who was in a war and feels regret because they did it as being part of an army, that emotional state would would alter that aura somewhat. So it would, they yeah. would both be black auras, but one might have purple and one might have gray for sadness because he had to do yeah. it as a soldier. But I, I think it'd be black in your aura, not necessarily a black aura. So, okay. So what do you do with a sociopath who doesn't view people as people? It doesn't change it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea that there be uh, of there being uh, moral absolutes in a world. So you know, I mean, that certain things are are just wrong. You know, um, and you you can pick. You know, you can have as many of them or as few of them as you like. But uh, you know, most people you know agree that there's you know that there's a, a, a fairly in the real world you know uh, not not in the you know metaphysical hypothesizing in in in, in the con suite <laughs> that in the real world you know when you do dirty to somebody you, you, you if there was something if there was aura detection we'd know you did it. So yeah, here's my question then: What's the Joker's Joker's aura? I don't even want to know. <laughs> well, he is the embodiment. Of, whenever anybody asks me about the alignment, you know, they'll they'll see the alignment system in D anD D, and people who know me know I'm a gamer, and they'll say, "Well, okay, what's chaotic evil?" I'll just look them dead in the eye and say, "The Joker," and then they get this look on their face, like, "Oh crap, yeah, the Joker." <laughs> like I, I said, I don't even want to know his aura. Actually, I would say the Joker is chaotic neutral. If oh I no, the Joker wishes he doesn't care. Armand, people. No, 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 he doesn't care. Some versions of them have him just being an anarchist, but I don't think so. I think that he truly, I think he truly wants to cause harm. Yeah, yeah. Like, hence chaotic. Like said, if I ever had the ability to see them, that's <laughs> see auras. I that's one person I don't want to see. Oh yeah. no, here's another. Then, okay, John, you brought up the Joker. Now. Mm-hmm. I know you and Bruce have seen The Silence of the Lambs. I don't care about any of the other films or series or all that. I'm talking the first one, Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster. There is a concept called Super Sane, where you are just so gone, you are beyond any concept of what we would consider sanity. Hannibal Lecter has been deemed Super Sane. And so is J.P. Withers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's another good point. Okay, yeah. yeah. What would their horrors yeah. be then? Yeah. Or would there just be an absence well, of, of an emotional-based aura? Well, JP, no, I say JP's or isn't emotional because he basically said he will never let it happen again. I mean, you know, he will never let any agents get get killed again. I mean, well, that sounds like an awful lot of passion. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't sound dispassionate to me. Yeah, and Hamill Lecter, he's the ult- right next, you know, up there with the Joker. No, no, he's worse than the Joker because see, Joker at least sees people as as things he can play with. Hamill Lecter just sees them as things. They're just things. They're not, you know, he, they're just you know things he can manipulate and get what he wants. The Joker though at least gets some pleasure out playing with his things. Hamill Lecter really doesn't. It just yeah. things, yeah. Well, anyways, you know, we 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 you can place whatever colors or or um, or markings or whatever you want to use, uh, but I, I like the idea that that you can read an aura, uh, and it, and that again that the aura can be hidden and made misleading, as well. 
undetectable alignment, that spell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because alignments or, kick in as colors. Well, that's essentially talking about an aura when they say that. Well, yeah. yeah. Yes. But I mean yeah. that I'm giving a perfect example of how you can hide that aura, that particular spell. So would it be just just be a, a gray aura? He has an aura, but I can't read it because it's gray. Yeah. I, I, I would think that they would make it look like something else. Maybe clone an aura. Go and and uh, and take the aura of somebody else. You know that serving wench outside. Okay, now I have the same aura as she does. Yeah, that'd be more alter aura. Yeah. Now I know palladium has a spell of that where you can make your aura look different, but just to make it where you can't tell. Yeah, it would have to be some neutral color that doesn't correspond to any other alignment based color. Yeah, I'm also reminded when we were talking about Krillian photographs. I would imagine this would be actually true of reading of auras as well, in that, you know, there's there would be a difference between a person who was born without an arm and a person who was born with an arm and lost it. The person who was born with an arm doesn't have the aura for the arm, but the person who lost an arm, there may still be an aura there for his arm. Yeah, like phantom pains that you would have when you yeah. got, oh, I have my gallbladder out, yet I still feel the pain from there, even though the organ's yeah. gone. Yeah, and, same thing. And, I get you. And that can be the reason why they can you can regrow their limb is because they still have the aura for it. It it's sort of it's spiritual you know framework for for healing spells to grow it back. Well, that's a that's a interesting concept, John. I've never heard someone say that. Yeah, actually, yeah. Okay, good, good, good job, John. <laughs> <laughs> you impress you impress me. <laughs> Popped in my head, you know. It popped in my head about about I ten like minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, is there? I think we pretty much covered this thing about you know seeing the magic and detecting it and everything else, you know. And and of course, you can have magic items enhance or or uh, your ability to do these things. So you can have the circlet of seeing or the ring of true sight or all those things. This the scrying crystal that you can look through and see auras, and you know, unfortunately, the crystal is, of course, faceted, so you're never going to see something perfectly, but you will see the auras. But I, I would think that also, you know, looking that 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 this information uh, is not normal for human beings, and that if you did it for a long period of time, I think it would have a detrimental effect on you. Oh, there's a cursed, there's a cursed item, the ring of seeing auras. Ring of seeing always. Yeah, seeing always, yeah. <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.